Hey, everybody, welcome once again to Rise of the GM, where we're going to be talking about delving into an old base. We're going to talk about a uh, construct maker, but we're going to be talking about this idea of our environment and the inspiration it has on us here on Rise of the GM. All right. Well, everybody, it's good to be back with you again today. We are going to be hitting uh, kind of the third in our inspiration series, right? So we started off with books and uh, kind of, I guess, movies, but books, especially that inspire us. And then last week we talked about people that have inspired us and what that looked like. And today we're going to be talking a little bit, uh, and we don't know exactly how this is going to even go, but we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the places that inspire us. So uh, we're going to do that. And we're going to obviously hit our haversack of questions at the end and see if we can answer those to the best of our ability. But as always, we're going to start with uh, a random encounter to drop into your campaign. Adam, why don't you uh, talk to us a little bit about this random encounter and we'll hit that. For sure. Yeah. Hope everybody's doing well today. Uh, Thanks for listening. Um, This is called Delving the Old Base, Delving the Old Base from uh, Eureka. Um, It says this, while traveling along a coastal road, the PCs notice a large ship headed toward their destination, a large town that's up ahead. Seeing no sails or means of mechanical propulsion, they conclude that it's likely powered by strong magic. Mm -hmm. Sometime after the PCs arrive, they discover that the ship is docked and trading with the townspeople. There are several oddities regarding the transactions that pique the attentions of the PCs. The traders are buying very little food. None of the townspeople are allowed to carry their goods onto the ship. And a few friendly crew members carouse in the bars and express relief at being on the mainland and having, quote, real people to talk to. Upon interacting with the crew members, the PCs are invited on board and discover the reason for the curious behavior. The rest of the crew members are non-organics, such as golems, elementals, or constructs. The captain is a very powerful wizard who offers the PCs pay and passage anywhere they like if they raid an old military base to acquire an artifact for him. He explains somewhat begrudgingly that the mission requires more creativity and quick thinking than his crew can provide. The journey to the old base takes some time, and the PCs have plenty of opportunities to interact with the non-organics, They're single-minded in their tasks and literal in their speech. The PCs find that the captain is uncooperative and unfriendly. His aloofness may suggest ill intentions to the PCs, but it is, in fact, simply due to his preference for non-organic company. Once they arrive, the PCs encounter an array of obstacles, things like odorless flammable gases from alchemical workspaces, flooded corridors, broken magical lifts and stairways, magic traps, and enemy non-organics. Along the way, they find clues suggesting that the artifact is hidden on the lowest level. To reach it, the PCs must overcome a slew of non-organics. The creatures fight as if their lives depend on protecting the artifact, which they do, since it acts as their power source. The artifact is actually a cage for a living magical being. Tapped for its life force and and in constant pain, the being gives off tremendous amounts of energy. It begs the PCs for death, which is its only chance for release. The PCs are thus faced with a moral choice. They must either kill the creature, betraying their mission and losing their pay, 
or inform the captain of the situation, leaving the creature in agony. If the PCs choose the latter, they may be surprised to learn that the captain is appalled by the nature of this magic and wants the PCs to return and release the poor creature. He's still happy to provide payment in full, um, and we can use this plot to shake up PCs who are used to being double-crossed by employers or are mistrustful of NPCs. So delving the old base. There you go. Well, this is yeah. an interesting one. I, uh, I like the idea of this for what they said right there at the end. Um, you know, you're, you're traveling on this ship, uh, if you yeah. decide to take this job, uh, with this guy who his aloofness may, may think may make you think he has ill intent for you. Yeah. Uh, and I would probably kind of lean into the, the role playing of that a bit so that they, they begin to question. And then uh, they come to this place where they find this cage and they're kind of presented with this moral dilemma. But I would not tell them that this is a moral dilemma because yeah. any PC who is like, oh, this is a moral dilemma, I will choose the high road, <laughs> you know, and I will do, you know. And so I would just kind of throw out the situation and then let them decide uh, but I do like this idea that if they, in fact, go back to the captain, he's going to be uh, just disgusted by this form of magic and encourage them to to do whatever it takes to free them. Now, what I like, though, is that the freedom is death. <laughs> That's the only freedom this thing yeah. uh, can think of. Uh, unless your characters get, like, all bent out of shape and they go on this, like, campaign-changing <laughs> job yeah, right. to find a way to free this thing without killing it. The The only way to kill it is, is I mean, the only way to free it is to kill it, which right. and it presents its own sort of moral, because I would make it like something that was like horrific to, to experience, mm. not just like a, yeah. we say the word and you just disappear silently right, right. and you're out of your pain. I would make this something that... <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. that was a trial for them to go through. Mm -hmm. uh, even if, you know, the captain's like, oh, this is this is horrible. Release it, you know, in whatever way that takes. Well, then they have to decide what that's going to look like. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of neat in that aspect because I do think uh, typically we make our NPCs, uh, so many of these NPCs that we have, as a matter of fact, when we get to our NPC later, they always add this little hook. It's like, and this is like how he's going to end up being like this villain. And you always have these these PCs that are uh, intent on evil and then doing bad things in the world right. and yeah. uh, looking for power in that. So having one that kind of twists that so that our our people just don't get this constant constantly used to this idea that the the NPCs yeah. are bad. I think that's good. That's a that's a good a good uh, encounter to mm -hmm. put in there. Yeah, I definitely like the the twists there um, of both you have a someone who like seems kind of nefarious but it isn't and actually is the one that's going to be like no like you should deal with this this is not right you know kind of thing um that being the twist on it of like subverting the expectations but but also just the end i mean like so they they basically give us like a dungeon crawl you know it's it's not right. like super laid out but it's going through all these traps and environmental situations where it's like you have to you know jump over the alchemical acid pool and go through the gases and fight off the constructs and all these different things and you're that often i at least in games i feel like i've run there's typically you're you're building up to a head where it's like all right and now now that we're all beat up we've used all our resources now it's time to fight the big one you know kind of thing and you get there and it's like no this actually is like 
a creature in pain mm-hmm. and maybe we're going to attack it, but it's not fighting back. It wants to have release kind of deal. So I, I think that's an interesting twist too, of just like the, like what's going on in people's brains, you know, with that. And um, I like that idea of like trying to, I, I want to think on that about like, okay, what would that look like? Obviously you don't want to do that every single dungeon. You don't want to ever do the exact same thing over and over and over again, you know, but um, I like that. that It's twisted in a good, like it's, there's a twist in that too. So that's good. Yeah. I, uh, this reminds me uh, a lot of, I ran in my dormant mind campaign. I ran this uh, one scenario where, where these people uh, were to go down into basically this huge, I mean, this ginormous, <laughs> trying to think of a better, better word. Thing's huge. Just, huge. <laughs> thing's huge, man. Uh, there's this huge uh, worm that had petrified, uh, mm. the purple worm. They were looking for what was called the heart of the purple worm because that was where it came from, uh, its power stone. But anyway, they, they had to first climb this thing while there were, were, were uh, I forget what it was, some kind of monster up at the top throwing. It was a dragon. Well, there were some Eventually, throwing yeah. rocks down oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, initially as you were trying to climb up. They were just smashing the ladders and the bridges that you were climbing up this this tall structure. But then once you got in the structure, it not only went down to ground level, but it went down even further. Uh, and all the way down, you had to fight magical traps and you had to fight uh, alchemical things and you had to you know there were uh, booby trap bridges that dropped you into lakes with huge monsters and all this kind of stuff Uh, and so it's cool in that it it just kind of gives you like the broad outlines of some things that you could put in here and then you'd have to find you know puzzle traps you'd have to find alchemical you know hazards and think how is this going to How's this going to be in this room where they can't get out, you know, just run through it or whatever? How, how am I going to make it difficult? So you got all that, which I like. Um, and it made me think of that. But then when I got when I if I were running this, when I get to the bottom, I would make that uh, that cage, obviously not like a bird cage, <laughs> but some sort of amulet or some sort of uh, box or something that is cool looking in some way. Uh, and I would try to find a cool picture of whatever that could be, because that would make that stick in people's memory right. longer. And of course, there would be the uh, you they would have to figure out if they decide to kill this. How do you kill something in that amulet or in that box? Right. Uh, again, I think that's that could be part of it. And if they get crazy and just decide that their their mission in this world now is to learn to free this thing. And then later, if they do, you know, three levels down the down the campaign trail, uh, that thing in its <laughs> gratitude, then what becomes yeah. an ally becomes someone who gives them deep secrets of the universe that lead them to something else. You know, there's like possibilities for that. Right. So, uh, I wouldn't just dismiss this as a, okay, kill it or take it back to the captain. And then he says to kill it. And then you figure out how, because that really comes down to the same choice. Do they kill it or take it back to the captain? Oh, if they take it back to the captain and they kill it that could be an end and maybe that's all you want to do you just want to figure a way to like put this thing out of its misery but i would challenge you gms you ascending gms to take it one step further and give their uh, an option if they decide that they want to do the higher moral thing of not killing it but finding a way and then you you know they also have to balance the time Uh, let's say you have this thing it's like in constant pain 
Yeah, obviously it's not going to die. Otherwise, you could just leave it alone and it would die. Uh, but it's in this constant pain and you could even hook some sort of, you know, the longer it's in pain, the more this happens in the world, you know, whatever that is. Maybe there could be a greater a greater thing about like all constructs and golems maybe get. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't yeah. it be funny if this was the thing that powered like all constructs? <laughs> you can't this yeah, and yeah, all yeah. constructs in Everything the world. Just, That'd be bad. <laughs> that could be bad for the world at large. But anyway, yeah, interesting. Interesting uh, scenario. I, Any I, other thoughts on that before we move to our other topics? Yeah. I think that that last thing you said could get real interesting if you have somebody who's playing a non-organic, you know, kind of thing. Like I'm thinking about like, um, uh, well, I just lost there. There's, you know, cla- uh, race races that are more like construct oriented and that, that hmm. kind of question of like, okay, what if this, like, what does that mean for me? If this thing is powering stuff like, like me, you know, and, um, I think that can be really interesting. The the one thing that kind of spun out of what you were saying, it's not really about this, but I just more and more am really content with things that perpetuate the story, right. even if it's not what I'm like envisioning, you know, and, and we've talked about that, not having like the so strong of rails that like you have to stay within the bumpers, you know, kind of thing. It's like, if, I would welcome that so much if people are like, no, we're going to find the way to like fix this. You know, the problem with that though is this thing is like tormented. So while I'm off adventuring for two years looking for a, a key to, you know, it's like that gets a little difficult. But, um, but I, I would love that as like a, a DM of a GM of like, yeah, like go for that. If that's what you all are like passionate about in this game at this point, go, go for that. That can be this arc that takes place. Um, and I may have an idea about what's going on over here and that can tie into it, or maybe that's going to come back, you know, eventually, or it totally adjusts. And we're like, Oh, I had this idea. I guess that's gone, you know, kind of thing. And we're moving. You know what would be cool? (laughs) <laughs> just thinking about like, okay, this thing's going to be in pain for however long while we're trying to find this. What would be cool uh, for me <laughs> as a GM would be to build in a mechanic that, okay, you guys take this on. And as long as you have this with you, uh, or even if if they stash it somewhere, uh, I think I might do this. Just say uh, the, the entire time you're trying to do this, it's bonded kind of with you in purpose. And therefore, every night when you go to sleep to gain all of your stuff back, there is a 20% chance that your dreams are so tormented by the pain that this thing is in that you get no rest and you get no no health back. You get no magic spells back. You get, yeah. you get nothing back in yeah. this rest. <laughs> and I would roll for it each time. Rough. And then, you know, uh, it wouldn't be so bad if they're like, oh, we've got a month. Okay, well, we'll just rest tomorrow night and I'm sure it'll work then. But like if they're in a pinch where it's like, man, I'm really hurt and we need to rest before we leave or before we attack this thing. And then, you know, that thing's coming and they roll it, <laughs> they roll that 20% and uh, then they have to somehow make do. I don't know, that might be harsh, but it might be fun because I'm the GM who likes to be harsh. <laughs> so <laughs> no, I, I think that's interesting. And even like playing with those mechanics of, you know, kind of depends on the system, but we're thinking about like exhaustion or just mm-hmm. the fact that you're not getting that, that valuable health, you know, points back. And, 
uh, what that looks like. So yeah, that's yeah, maybe exhaustion is a way to do it. They, they get some health back, but they're also like one step into exhaustion always mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> because they yeah. never rest yeah. like completely peacefully because right. this thing is in their mind and in their soul a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then when that, when it comes out, I would also make some sort of boon that, that comes with that. Yeah. I'm not totally a bad mean right. GM. Yeah. <laughs> Always. <laughs> uh, well, let's move on to our, our main topic yeah. uh, for the uh, day. Unless you had something else, you had your, your hand going there. Uh, I was just going to make a comment. It's been a bit, but this is the first time in a while that I've had the train situation like massively. I think it's going like two miles an hour, so it may be here for a bit. So, um, <laughs> so sorry. For those of you new to the, to the podcast, uh, Adam, as we live stream this, always has a train. Well, he has a very active train <laughs> near where he where he is. And so sometimes you get to hear that. And that's part of the beauty and the fun of the live stream, right? So, yeah, one of these times uh, we're going to do something maybe that's like train related and it'll be like, that'll be the it'll day be there's perfect. nothing, there's nothing actually there. Um, <laughs> yeah, nothing. Like, this could be the thing. So maybe this will come into our, our conversation today. So sorry about that. But um so uh, way back when, um, I, I think I mentioned last week, as far as I, I did, uh, Caleb and Ross, I mentioned from RPPR being like, there's a certain influence that they have on me about being like not so nice <laughs> to, to players and like being okay with, it's not really about niceness, it's about like... Uh, Obstacles, challenges. The challenge being higher and not feeling like I have to, you know, hold my punches, pull my punches. But um, so I did mention them and... Uh, they, they do a podcast is still, uh, but it's been going for a while talking about gaming and different, different things. And, um, one of the things that they, uh, talked about, um, when I was listening to them, like pretty frequently, um, is this, uh, it, it was titled, uh, LARPing quietly in my head was the name of the, the podcast episode that they did. Um, and this is a while ago. I, I actually, I should have it pulled up. I don't, but it's, it was like. 2015, I think maybe is when they recorded this. So it's, this has been a bit, um, if you happen to go looking for that, but that idea has stuck with me for some time. Um, and what they were getting at in their conversation was, um, like when you are in places just out in life, uh, specifically there'd be times where things would come up and talking about like the environment you're in, like the architecture, or just like the situation. Um, I think that could even move into like, I just had this interaction with this person and, uh, you know, art imitating life, like the, like that was really intriguing to be in that. And that person may not that person, but a person like that may end up in my game kind of thing. And, um, that was kind of the idea that they were talking through. Um, and I didn't necessarily want to comment on like their stuff, but, that was kind of where this this thought process came from is like when we're in these different places just in regular life uh the way that maybe that influences things in the game and for us or it's like oh i'm going to take some inspiration from this situation that i've been in or this building that i see or that kind of thing so um just kind of wanted to open that up a little bit and talk about maybe how how that has come into play for us um, but also maybe some ways that we can just kind of keep our eyes and minds open, you know, as we're kind of going about our daily life. So I don't know. Do you have thoughts on that, Matthew, as well, we get into it? I like the sentence. I don't know if you came up with it or if they came up with it, but the idea, I'm always silently LARPing in my head. 
yeah, that was that was <laughs> and, them. That was them for and, sure. And so. as a GM, I, that's true. I don't care where you go or what you see or what you encounter. There's this part of your brain that's always like, oh man, this could be this could be part of a game right here. Oh man, if I were in a game, you know what I would do with this right here. Uh, and so I think that uh, for me, uh, so I, I think when we were talking about it, you're like, oh yeah, if you know, you go to the dentist and you're sitting there, and while you're sitting there, you start thinking, man, if this were a game, I could be like, I I rarely do that with like architecture of very mundane places <laughs> like a dentist office or or anywhere because right. most of the games i play are more fantasy driven and and things are generally on a more epic scale right. and so for me uh this happens in one of two ways typically uh the first way is if i'm traveling um and you know i i know so many people who are like if i had all the money in the world i would travel a lot and i do see the draw to that because when you travel you see things that are uh of a scale kind of epically different than your normal life um when yeah. we you know when we went on uh, our honeymoon my wife and i we went to uh different islands you know we went on a on a cruise which is where we would never call ourselves cruise people <laughs> but we got a really really good deal on a cruise and we decided to do a seven day cruise and we got to have some experiences and see some some mountains uh on these islands and see some some scenes on these islands that definitely when i wa when i look at them the first thing i think is man this is this is something that could be in a game so that's one place where i where not just honeymoons <laughs> for all yeah. of you who are like, well, I'm not married yet <laughs> or I only get one chance. It's not just that. It's anytime you travel, uh, anytime you go outside of your region, I think you see things with fresh eyes. The second place this always happens for me is, uh, and it's so much easier now than when I first started, but like I used to, when I would get ready to run a campaign, the way I would start before I started anything, before I even started with my idea of what what's the big bad what's his plan what you know before any of that i would sit down and i would just scroll like uh amazing places in the world yeah. and cool fantasy art um because i i would just like let those inspirations of places begin to build places i thought we might end up in my world and then from that i would it would in inevitably lead me on some sort of like rough idea that wasn't too much on the rails but like at some point they're going to end up on you know this uh, in this mountain cathedral that's completely made of ice you know and what would happen there uh or at some point they're going to end up in this kind of place and what would happen there and like i said not just fantasy art which i will say our world and now with computer generated ai like the way you can uh you don't have to wait for someone to actually paint something anymore. <laughs> now you can say, you know, show me what it would look like to be at the top of a single spire with, you know, a, a monk. Um, you know, I, I can't even think of the, what, what would you call the abode of a monastery <laughs> at the yeah, top of a spire that's a thousand feet high, <laughs> you know, with, you know, clouds all around, you know, you just say that and AI can paint that for you right. now. And you can like really get a good visual sense of that and use it in your game uh, because uh, we have, we have hit that point. Uh, but uh, I forget where I was going with that, but not just the fantasy art, which we do live in, in a world where now you can get any kind of fantasy art, but like really uh, spend some time when you're beginning to start a campaign is the best time, I think, but you can do it all through. Uh, spend some time, like just kind of looking through some of the 
wonders of our world, some of the epic wonders of our world, and just cool photography. Uh, I can tell you that in our game, I know that some of the, the points that were probably most memorable for some of our players came from just such <laughs> excursions into photography. So uh, I think we've talked on here before, and whenever I talk to our group about like a memorable moment in, in the dorm, dormant mind, one that always comes up is the gondola scene. Yeah. Uh, and the gondola scene came from two real life, just looking through like real life things. One of them is uh, this place that's a desert just full of spires uh, that are up high. And I've actually that's inspired a couple different um, can or encounters. Um, one where there were these birds trying to knock people off of oh, these yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and one where the gondolas, because um, when I saw these spires, um, shortly, a few pictures later, I also saw these in the Swiss Alps, these gondolas that would go up to these high peaks, travel these little cars uh, and those cables. Uh, and I saw those cables strung like between several peaks. And I'm like, ooh, what if you lived in this place that was all spires of different sizes and, and down below was like either like a bottomless pit of nothingness or it was so far down there uh, that people just traveled by these cables all around. And I'm like, ooh, what would that be like? And so uh, the silent LARPing in my head kicked in and that became the place that uh, had all these cables that connected and everybody had these uh, little towels that were magic and when you put them on these lines they would zip you along these lines um, you guys had some of those uh, but there were also these gondola cars and and so you guys were on one of these gondolas when an attack came people zipping to this place and you guys all having to figure out how to defend i forget was that amira in there defend yep, this yep, person in there and uh you know at the same time they were trying to take what ended up being one of these stones of power that you guys ended up getting uh, the wrath stone and there was a whole story about that but that was like that was a very uh an encounter that very much came out of seeing gondolas with their cables and then seeing these spires like kind of right next to each other in in this this kind of thing and so there are so many uh really kind of cool encounters that come from looking at uh, some of the kind of wonders of the world with eyes yeah, of yeah. what would i do if yeah, uh, there was one uh, we, you know, you guys had an arch where you all ended up being tied up and uh, at the mercy of some great magician. Well, that arch was kind of one of these uh, Old West Canyon arches uh, mm. of stone. Yeah. Uh, that was the picture I saw. Um, and I thought, ooh, what if like that arch itself was actually like a... a a portal <laughs> and when you went through it you didn't go just to the other side you teleported to somewhere and that became the whole thing and of course i put it at the top of this mountain and you guys had yeah. to get up there and, and all of that yeah. uh, but but that's one i've had one uh in the past where i saw a picture of an old lighthouse that was so far out in the water that it almost looked like it was floating and it had lots of oh, stuff wow. around it and i actually didn't use that one with you guys uh -huh. uh, to its fullest uh i talked about a lighthouse as you guys left idrisel but in my mind, I was going to do a lot more with that. That may come okay. up in another another <laughs> campaign. Uh, but just the these pictures of places, real places. Uh, I saw an old an old shack in a swamp with boardwalks leading up to it, long, long boardwalks. Yeah. And I'm like, ooh. And then of course my uh, my my wife's father. Um, he was a 
director of parks in northern Indiana, and he he began making this place. My my wife, who was landscape architecture uh, student, actually designed all of these boardwalks of this place in Pine Knob, and they actually made a, a place off of that that was oh, a, nice. a fin, and it's now called Mike's Fin or um, the Mike Metz Fin. Uh, her dad's name, Mike Metz. And, and this fin is just basically all these long boardwalks walking through this like kind of swampy yeah. area. And I'm like, Ooh, what I could do something with that. That would be cool because uh, if the swamp wasn't just a swamp, but it was actually something that would, you know, acidic or something. And they get out and they're going to this place out in the middle, this, this old shack that I see that could be a hag's house, let's yeah, say. Yeah. And then somehow the, the all of these boardwalks start burning and then they have to figure out how to get me up. Well, you guys know that that was, well, you know, yeah. that that was an encounter <laughs> that I did. And it came from seeing a picture of a, a house, just this old rundown house in a swamp and then seeing all of these boardwalks right. uh, at this fin. Mm -hmm. And so again, there's this, this mashup. This is kind of my I'm, I'm beginning to realize through this podcast that my personality is rip real things apart and stitch them together like Frankenstein. <laughs> so I think I've determined that I am Frankenstein, uh, the yeah. doctor. Dr. Frankenstein. Uh, yeah, because it was, doctor, yeah, it was yeah. the monster yeah. of Dr. Frankenstein, mm -hmm. right? Frankenstein wasn't the monster. So yep. that's me. Uh, and there's more and more examples. I was kind of jotting down some here, but mm -hmm. uh, maybe <laughs> I don't know if this has kind of taken it way off the path of where you were thinking when we initially talked about this topic, but I want to give you a chance to talk yeah, to you because I yeah. do this. I vomit words forever. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Um, no, that, yeah, I think that's, that's definitely within the vein of this. And I, the thing I feel like we both have said that keeps coming up is um, like entering into these things with just like, like the thought of like, eyes open what could i do with this kind of thing and obviously there's times you know I, I i do i feel like a disclaimer of like pay attention to the here and now <laughs> you know like we do we you know there's times where maybe we don't need to be fan, fantasizing about that but the uh <laughs> um but i i think gra gathering inspiration and just like having these elements that are at our disposal it's like super important to just kind of be observers of what's going on and yeah i think that like whether it's you know my my like instagram is full of just like beautiful places and fantastic places like i or like artists that do landscapes and things and it's not even necessarily rpg related or fantasy related it's just like trying to get inspiration man that's like a beautiful place you know like save that i want to come back to that later those kind of things um so i definitely feel feel that like the things you're talking about with that, um, I kind of have a, it kind of depends on the, um, the RPG for me. Uh, like I've noticed, I think a lot about, and we're going to eventually get here, but we're going to, we're going to talk red markets one of these days, you know, kind of thing a little more in depth about like how the game functions, but that's post-apocalyptic, you know, the zombie, um, kind of situation. And, uh, I feel like, that's the thing I note the most, particularly when I'm driving around my city, <laughs> you know, which I don't know what that says, but like there, there's things where I'm like, you know, but there's, there's certain, you know, parts where I'm like, oh, that's like a, a warehouse, this like warehouse or, you know, this, um, this building that like at one time was a store, but now it's kind of boarded up and 
those things a lot of times I think like get into my brain as far as when I've run red markets games, I'm drawing a lot off of things I've noticed, even this my day to day, like driving around. Mm -hmm. Um, even with that, you know, it's like, uh, like sometimes even people like in that game, you know, I'm veering too much, but like, there's these like taker groups and people who are just trying to survive and even like having inspiration. I've, I've had inspiration come from real life and in that realm too, of like, Oh, like the, the dude who's got the bicycle full of baskets of stuff who somehow is also towing like three dogs on leashes behind him with the giant mm. backpack. You know, it's like, that's like, wow. Like, I don't know what's going on there anyway. Like that's super interesting. But then like, that could be somebody here um that you run into in that game uh who would be like a really interesting character to to meet um uh for some reason like schools are really inspiring for me when i'm thinking about like dungeons or things like that like i don't know why <laughs> again what just, does it say about your yeah, experience what is, with schools <laughs> yeah it's like uh and like why am i you know in schools anyway but the uh um or even like buildings like on our campus i think it's just the particularly if you're ever in a place like a school, like a big building, um, maybe like a conference hall or like a church or something like that, when you, there's like not a bunch of people there, there's something about like those spaces that's like strange when there's, it's not full of the people that are, that those buildings are made for, you know, kind of thing. And I think that has been an influence for me in some of that of like, okay, what about these like huge cathedrals, but they're, abandoned or you know that that kind of stuff has played a big role i think in when i'm like yeah i could see i could see this being in a game um kind of deal um but then that like real real life you're talking about the fin like mike's fin um there's a specific cave uh which actually this weekend i'm gonna probably go through again um on a trip but uh it's in like central indiana and um a lot of times if i need a like a quick underground thing in the moment. I'm often thinking of this cave because I've been through it enough times that I'm like, yeah, like there's this tunnel that you can kind of like walk through, but then it gets shallower and you kind of have to get down in a crouching position for a while, but then it pops back out into this like large room and there's some tunnels that go off up here and through here and there's a hallway. And like, I, I know it by feel <laughs> well enough now because it's been like, you know, a dozen times I've been through this cave and I've used it in games enough that it's like, that's a super easy draw. So I think there's some things like that sometimes that if we keep our eyes open and kind of like, yeah, I'm going to like meet this stuff as an observer, not just a person who uh, drifts through these situations and doesn't really pay any attention. I think that can be like a really, really huge help. So, yeah. And I think it's always that, Again, keep that idea silently LARPing in my head. Mm -hmm. As you see anything, you're driving and you see schools or you see towns. Yeah. But whatever you see, if you always kind of have that game running in the back of your head. Now, again, um, Adam had a good point. Sometimes you want to turn off the game thoughts enough yeah. to be in the moment. But that doesn't mean you can't like take a little note and like come back to it later. Um, so uh, I was uh, getting ready to run a 
you know, an encounter with a bunch of woodcutters and I happened to be watching something about one of the largest clocks in the world. And they had this huge swinging pendulum that was uh, <laughs> going back and forth. And I just, I was sitting there thinking, man, what if, what if the edges of that were like so sharp that mm-hmm. like they would cut people just by touching them, you know? And I'm like, Ooh, what if there was a big ax that was hung in this warehouse and barrels along each side that were like roped up and like they walked into an ambush where these barrels they're cutting the strings and the barrels are like toppling down on them but then at the same time there's this one big thing swinging back and forth in the middle of the battle that is magically will cut anything i don't care what it is metal or you know and uh that became that became an encounter that we did um i saw a whole bunch of hanging bird cages uh in a picture I don't even remember what I was for. Uh, as we were getting ready to go into a a uh, part of our campaign where they had to rescue someone from jail, and I'm like, "Ooh, what if they actually did that with people? Hung them up high in these cages?" Uh, and then of course, that became part of that became part of that campaign. Um, the things you see in life, always be thinking uh, this kind of juxtaposition. How can I take whatever I'm seeing and whatever we're getting ready to go into? and mash them together. It's like the king of, what was that show? I never watched it much about the singers. Uh, Glee. <laughs> They're always doing mashups, right? That's all I remember. It's like, oh, we're going we're gonna to mash up two songs. You know? yeah. That's what you do. You're mashing up what you see in reality with what you yeah, what yeah. you know is coming in your game. And, and do that in such a way that you're allowing for something new and different than you even expected. Because here's what I would say is, it's easy to fall into this trap of every time you get together with your players, here's a square room on a, on a map with squares and you're going to fight. Well, okay. Fighting is fun. Rolling dice is fun, but take that same temple that you were going to make. And that was just a square that they walked into and think of some like crazy location. I, I always am trying to think of like, what would make this like, way more memorable. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's put it at the top of an active volcano and there's holes yeah. and there's you know, lava below, or, you know, put this, uh, <laughs> they they're dropped into the largest hole in the world and they've got to fight while they fall because someone has put a teleportation, uh, you know, place on the bottom and on the top. And basically they're just going to continue to teleport between these two places until uh-huh. one of them wins, you know, and, you know, what would that be like to have like a battle while you're falling with nothing to anchor off of you? you your swings are less effective. You know, what's going to happen? You're in here. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I've not yeah. really done that one, but that seems like it'd be cool. <laughs> I saw a picture of uh, like just uh, uh, under the ocean thing with just jellyfish everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it made me think about a time. Um, oh, or here's one. <laughs> what, looking at the the Stonehenge ring and thinking, oh, what if every one of those things were a teleportation to a different moon? And I did a campaign oh, yeah. where it was called the the I forget what it's called, Blood of Kings. Basically, I wanted every world to be so completely different because I wanted to allow for totally memorable sorts of uh, battles and and thoughts and ideas. And I'm like, instead of having them travel all over the continent to get to some place that's like a completely different sort of climate or completely different sort of place, what if they had these teleportation rings all all, like this circle of them and each one would take them to a different moon and each Mm. moon had its own, you know, and so we did that. And, um, 
Yeah. So anyway, one of them led to this place that was like full of stinging jellyfish as soon as they went into it. I think that was on that. <laughs> it's been so long. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think another one I had was uh, seeing the, the, these people uh, and doing this myself, but not in the same place. So I had been kayaking and canoeing and we came up between some places that were kind of high on each side. But then I saw uh, this uh, documentary of these people who were uh, was it the Rio Grande? It was maybe it was in the Grand Canyon. Anyway, they were kayaking just these high sheer cliffs on each side. And as they were showing this documentary, you know, I could see like there were some holes in the like caves hmm. up high. I'm like, Ooh, man, what if they were doing that? And all of a sudden these Aarakocra starts coming out. These like fighting yeah. Aarakocra. Obviously yeah. they're not going to do that in the real Grand Canyon. There's no <laughs> such thing as Aarakocra. But in my imagination, what? you know, you, you're going and you say yeah. you're going for hours and hours and you're just kind of at the mm -hmm. mercy of the current in this boat because you're, you can't just turn around and go out of it that yeah, way, right. the way you came. Mm -hmm. And you have no idea how far it's going to be before you get out of it down this way. And all of a sudden you start seeing these like caves on each side. And like, as you're going by, you you trip the notice of these things and they start coming out. And at first it's like fight them as they come out. And then pretty soon they're everywhere uh, circling in the sky and you've got to continue fighting them and yeah. fighting them. And so those kinds of thoughts uh, silently LARPing in my head all the yeah. time when I see documentaries, when I see pictures, when I see places I'm driving or flying right. or visiting. Yeah. Something I'm thinking about. Well, one and you, you brought this up. I think it's like the best advice is that what if advice that you brought up like a, several episodes ago. But I feel like that keeps coming up of anytime we step into these things, whether it's like uh, seeing a picture or being in a being in the dentist's office, you know, or like walking, going down this river or or reading a book, you know, or hearing an idea. It's like the what if kind of thing definitely can spin that creativity. So my encouragement for ascending GMs out there is like to be asking, I'm stealing Matthew's tip, but like <laughs> to ask that what if thing, you know, when you're, when you're in just different situations, um, that may not be the normal or your normal situations. But a thing I'm, I'm finding as I'm like thinking through this is, um, I think the LARPing quietly in my head idea, or just like the tucking away, tucking away environments that I've been in or have seen, actually comes out for me in the improv spots mm -hmm. where it's like, I need something because they've went somewhere I wasn't expecting. And so now I'm thinking of like a place like, uh, I, I don't know, red markets keeps coming up for me in this. And I don't know, I think it's because modern work, that's more like what we're in. Um, but, uh, I remember specifically, um, being in a, in a game where, um, the, the specific encounter, um, the leg of that, one of the legs that they were on of the trip, there was supposed to just, I think it's, I can't remember if you were playing in this game, Matthew, or if it was maybe somebody else, but there was supposed to be kind of just a, a warning to these taker groups, like, we're coming for you kind of thing. And that that's all it was supposed to be. It, there wasn't supposed to be like actually any action that takes place. It was just basically a sign. About fence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a, yeah. Yes. I was yeah. in that one. <laughs> um, so, you know, there, that was, that was uh, the way it had been planned, you know, and that this, that was a leg from the the book, like even, 
is just that's there. They're supposed to engage with him and be like, oh, shoot, there's more stuff going on and there's somebody out there killing killing us. So we need to watch out. Um, but everybody got super excited about the like, I, I think even I feel if I remember the moment correctly, it's like, well, what's what's this fence around? And I'm like, uh, uh, an old factory, you know, it's like there's something going on in that factory. So everybody wanted to go in the factory. We got to go in there now. And I'm like, oh, shoot, like this is turning into something when it wasn't supposed to. They were supposed to just keep going. But I'm not going to, I'm not, even that game's a little more like there's this thing that happens, then this thing that happens, and this thing. There's not as much like I'm going to run across the world to a completely different thing. That's kind of how the jobs work. But even in that, I was like, I, I'm not just going to like railroad everybody like, oh, you can't get in, go, you know, keep moving. Um, and so you all went in the factory and there, you know, the whole situation of, okay, we're going to see if there's any casualty, any zombies there. We're going to unlock the door. We're going to check the roof, like all this stuff. But as you guys came in, I'm like, well, what is this? I don't want to just be like, oh, you see a big room. Um, and my, my father-in-law uh, works with like... Um, chrome plating and different kind of platings. And I remember going to visit his work before and was just like, this place is like super cool from a, like a unique standpoint of like, there's like vats of chemicals and like pools of stuff where they have to dip these things. And that came, what ended up happening there was I was like, you know, I this, need something this factory, now. this, this Ooh. chrome plating place. And that made some cool things. Cause it's like, well, what if again, what if like one of these zombies half fell into one of these chrome vats, you know, again, we're suspending some disbelief here, but like, and then it got up and it's like covered in metal part of its body. You can't do a headshot on this thing because it's, you know, like, what does that look like? And so that, that even, you know, that was all like unplanned, but it's like, I grabbed that place that I knew and I thought was unique in real life. And it turned into like a pretty cool, scenario you know where people i think were engaged with it so that's what i'm finding more is even i i don't think i like typically i'm like oh man that's a really cool like um piece of this forest that i'm walking through i'm gonna like put that in thursday's game it tends to like kind of come out of me more because i think it's just because i'm trying to observe and like tuck those things away so that's an encouragement right. just to do that you know for you all is uh um just pay attention and if there's something that's interesting, kind of slip that in the back of your mind, like, oh, maybe this could come out in some way later. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that was a very fun one because somebody kept like uh, rolling ones and like, uh, yeah. it's, not ones. <laughs> it's not ones in red markets, but they kept uh, failing somehow. Double odds. Yeah. Double odds. And it was like, uh, it was like funny every time. It became a big <laughs> part of the story. Can't even remember what it was now. It's a big part of the story, <laughs> but I do remember if somebody sparked it, I'd be right back. All right. So that's, a, you know, inspiration from environments. And I think that's a good place to leave that is the always be tucking it away, always be filing it away, and then always be uh, asking what if. Uh, when you're in the middle of a game and somebody like wants to do something, that's when that'll kind of come forward and then let yourself be open to, well, what if? What if we did this? Uh, and some sometimes that will make uh, the the uh, encounter that was so much more exciting than anything you had planned for the night. And, yeah, and it for sure. really comes out as one that they remember forever. And that's what it's really about, making good stories that we all remember together. And we can go back and, and remember those. 
Well, hey, let's jump into our NPC here, uh, and then we'll we'll have some Haversack questions at the end. Our NPC this time is a guy named Colin Kern. He is a political construct maker. And you're like, what the heck does that mean? Political <laughs> construct maker? Well, you just stick around. I'm going to tell you. Uh, so this is a guy who's strong and commanding, dressed in expertly tailored clothes. Uh, his only visible flaws are a slight limp and unusually heavy kind of tread as he walks. They're just giving him some kind of background and appearance here. Role-playing, Colin speaks in an authoritarian voice and uses his size to remind others that he is in charge. Uh, in his arrogance, he talks over other people and is visibly surprised when anyone offers dissent to what he's saying. He's extremely intelligent, smugly superior, used to being surrounded by toadies and constructs. Therefore, uh, he kind of expects to be obeyed. He finds intellectual challenge, particularly in the workshop, irresistible. Right. He holds little regard for anything or anyone, especially the unwashed masses, those people out there. Uh, when faced with opposition, he relies on his position, his power and his wealth to cow anybody who opposes him. And uh, if that approach fails, his minions are always available to show out unwanted visitors. So basically, he has no patience for anyone if they're not kind of involved in the particular puzzle that he is working on right now. His motivation, he's already a member of the, already a member of the ruling caste. Uh, he already commands exorbitant uh, resources, and so now he is seeking political power, things that can help him to advance uh, the crafting of constructs that he is uh, all about. Uh, background, he holds a political, powerful political office, uh, and the constructs that he's designed, although expensive, are widely used among the wealthy as guards, uh, as servants, uh, those sorts of things, making his product indispensable and pervasive in this place where he uh, lives and maybe the you know, regions around that. Uh, you see evidence of his work everywhere. And then they throw this line at the end. Uh, like I said, they always give you a, an opportunity to make them villains, right? Uh, he solidifies his political hold. When the moment is right, his golems will rise at his yeah. command and make him a major power. Okay, so that's like if, if, if he were evil. I don't always necessarily want to like play those things out. Uh, but I like this. I, and, and so like when you're thinking of this guy, he can be like, ah, machines aren't always perfect. But unlike society, machines can be repaired. He's brusque, he's big, and he definitely is more about like his constructs and the the uh, uh, being able to know what to expect from them yeah, that he yeah. likes. Mm -hmm. And so here's this guy, and uh, uh, I like kind of who this character is as one that's just there to kind of further the plot along, not necessarily to become this bad guy, although you can keep that line at the end in there and be like, okay, this guy, he's going to be, have little time for your P, the PCs. He's basically about trying to increase his political power. And then maybe if you want to later, uh, he can turn into something that has that seed of evil that then, you know, cause all of his constructs yeah. and golems that are in all of these rich people's houses everywhere to um, basically make him, you know, the major power. They, they mm -hmm. take over and, and whatever that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, going with, well, one, so there was not a plan here <laughs> in this, like when these topics were put together, right. I find this interesting because <laughs> you have the ship full of constructs uh -huh. and you have the whole thing with like the, the magic creature that's like powering constructs. And then you have this construct major that was not purposeful just to be clear on this. Like these things just happen to both get picked. And I, I find that even like that's super interesting to tie 
some of this together, you know, yep. of, of these things. I, agree. Um, I, I, I have to say, I thought after I was reading these two, which again, yeah. randomly picked for today, we yeah. randomly kind of picked yeah, these. I, and uh, as I was reading, I'm like, oh, I could kind of marry those two together. Yeah, I, I think that, that could be a really interesting arc, you know, like to, to go with that. Um, particularly like, okay, so let's say we'll go back to our encounter and the idea that we had where it's like, all right, we're taking plan C, which is we want to save this thing. Who do you need to go talk to? Maybe a construct maker who's getting really good at this craft may have, you know, have something to do with the way that the, this energy is working. I don't bring them. Maybe, in. maybe he's highly opposed. And if he knew you yeah. had this great power to power constructs, then he would become more forceful yeah, yeah. in uh, opposing yeah. you in whatever. Uh, yeah. But he doesn't necessarily know that at the beginning. And I also like what you did there. You didn't make this guy the guy who has the ship full of golems. You let yeah, them be two right. separate, two separate mm -hmm. people who kind of have this part, this kind of life. And I love the the first guy because he's like aloof and maybe seems like he is a little bit against you, but it's not. He just prefers to be surrounded by non living, non-organic, right. yeah. non-human. He prefers the company of <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. golems and constructs. Right. This guy is doing it because it's a puzzle and it's power. Mm -hmm. And those mm -hmm. are two different guys. Yeah, like for that. sure. I, I think that's a cool yeah juxtaposition there. Um, if, uh, well, actually, regardless of that, that last hook, you, you know, we talked about of them rising at his command, making him a major, whether you want to use it or not. I think it could be interesting also like this kind of an aside from the ship thing but um could fall into that too is maybe sometime prior to this person entering the the picture um one of this guy's constructs probably was something denoting like oh it has the sigil the specific you know specific sigil maybe it has a ck and elven script CK. written on it you know or something like calvin that klein. yeah calvin klein yeah <laughs> <laughs> just just straight up rip just tear the calvin klein logo and just use it you know <laughs> may as well um but uh the ck you know like colin kern um something that denotes that you are like in a dungeon across the continent and you come across either this rampaging construct or it's trying to do something or it's just destroyed and like you find the remains of it. I think that would be super interesting, like thinking ahead of that, of now they're coming into the city and they're interacting and it's like, oh, well, there's these constructs everywhere that people are using as like servants or he has them as guards or whatever. And they're all, they all have this as well. That's kind of start bringing up some like intrigue there of like, oh, do we tell them that we came across one of his or now now it's like well, what was that thing doing and i think you could play play with that and you could go with it had nefarious designs from him it was on a mission for him because he's seeking power or maybe he just lost control of it and it somehow got away and somebody stole it or somebody else was using, you know i think you could do or a lot of stuff it was that. just one of his early ones that right. was not nefarious or mean at all it yeah. just kind of <laughs> it was destroyed right. he's gotten better and better he's mm -hmm. you know figuring more and more out the the cool thing about all of these uh and the thing i would say all of you out there who are rising gms um it's always maybe neat for you to like hear our ideas as jumping off points but 
you can do whatever you want with these. Uh, you Absolutely. can, you can like totally shape these two guys and, and like the idea of like finding this thing for the first guy. Uh, and then the second guy who is like doing everything he can to, to gain more power so that he can make advancements in construct making, you know, whatever you want to do with that. And then marry these two together with what's happening in your main campaign. Uh, that's the cool part about yeah, being a sure. GM. And if you don't feel like, oh, I'm just not that creative, you are. Sit yeah. down and just write what if and then fill out a page or two of what ifs and you'll find something worth playing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. sure. Yeah, I think, yeah, just, I think us keeping to say that, like, we just want to spark idea, you know, in this and yeah. hopefully that's what's what's happening here. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's answer some Haversack questions. We had oh, yeah. uh, several that came in. I don't know if we're ready to answer all these or not, but we're going to we're gonna throw <laughs> our best bet at it. And if we yeah. feel like we're not ready, we'll say, hey, we'll come back to that one. But what what do we... Got in the haversack, Adam. Yeah. So um, these uh, the series of questions today are all from Evan Bright, and this is haversack questions batch quote oops all villains end quote. Um, so he says this. Uh, Hi guys, uh, for Halloween here's a bad guy themed batch of questions. So question number one: um, When you want to throw a big group of wimpy bad guys against a party. What's your go-to enemy type? I personally enjoy goblin raiders for being either life-threatening or embarrassing, depending on the circumstances. So do you have okay. a do you have like a go-to kind of group of minions or feons like, or whatever? Did he say orcs? He said uh, goblin uh, raiders, goblin raiders. Okay. I feel like orcs typically come up as the the typical bad guy if you're just like you're out and you need somebody right away orcs uh if it's if it's low level the wimpy bad guys you can get those low as orcs or you can like kind of build them up <laughs> to be like orc champions if you need something a little more but like um when i know i just need an enemy often orcs are the ones i love the idea i think uh, i we've mentioned on here in the past uh, sometimes i want to throw like a whole group of like really low powered bad guys just to be wiped out you know i want my i want my people to feel strong and able kobolds definitely can give that to you and oh, yeah, low level oh, yeah. orcs can give that to you and i know there's things like skeletons and um yeah skeletons always make me think too much of like halloween <laughs> you know little those little low, old disney dancing ones that play xylophones oh, in yeah, their ribs yeah, yeah. that's what i always <laughs> see you know and so it's never it never kind of gets to be my go-to i almost always go to the orc first because that's a little more fantastical and not so cutesy <laughs> in any sense but can be easily wiped out if you make them low level yeah. like super low level or it can be a uh, little heavier hitters if you need to and you can even throw orc shamans in there you can kind of get whatever flavor you want orcs are usually my go-to and then i i tailor it to what i need yeah uh i will say if you have like a cleric it's i i do enjoy tossing a bunch of skeletons in front of them and just seeing them like burn them you know kind of thing like that, that's true that, that undead part you can get that spotlight kind of thing but um uh kobolds kobolds are my answer um i'm gonna i'm gonna slip something in here i was gonna make a post on instagram and i haven't got around to it but I ran out of time. I, my mind went other places with the inspiration from people, but um, there is a podcast called monster man that I've listened to for He's many years now. And um, I really, he, he started with uh, AD and D 
um, the monster manual and just started going through A to Z talking about the monsters. I highly recommend checking out monster man. One of the most beautiful parts of his podcast, honestly, as we're at 58 minutes right here, um, is that they're usually like seven to 10 minutes. So they're easy to, you know, <laughs> so grab you can't and like, handle what yeah, we do every week. This, um, There's him. Please, please continue to listen, um, and tell all your friends, but, uh, no, um, that, that is a nice thing of like, Hey, I'm going to wash dishes for 10 minutes. I can listen to a monster man episode and hear some cool things about monsters. But, uh, he has a really cool way of talking about these things of, um, like there are all these like little dudes, you know, there's the goblins and there's kobolds and you could use skeletons. You could use like little gnomish, like fairy creature, you know, like there's all, if you start looking through the book, there's a bunch of those kind of, uh, just minion type guys that are like have barely any hit points. You can just wipe them out. Um, but they have different, or even if we get into orcs or like hobgoblins, um, there's like different feels to them. If you kind of look at them, like, mm -hmm. um, and the thing about kobolds that I think I fell in love with, there's, there's somebody wrote a thing about Tucker's kobolds. And basically they're more of like trying to pull like pranks on you than even, and like, traps and like think through these things they're not trying to like meet you head on they want to just like make a fool out of you kind of kind of thing and uh, versus like maybe a hobgoblin who's a little bit more strong but they're more like militaristic and like in formation and have some like discipline to them where the orcs are kind of jostling and like maybe fighting amongst themselves even more because they're just like a little more ferocious typically the way we think of them a lot of times um and uh I like the idea of those things. So I, I tend to go to kobolds because I, I like doing things like, I can't even remember if they were kobolds, but I was thinking about this when our group w went down in my Jade Mask game, you're going down like uh, into like a trash heap and you had to fight uh, these like trash monsters. And I never can say the name right. So I'm not even going to try, but it starts with an O and um, they have all the tentacles and things coming up. Uh, Otiog. I'm going to go with that for now. Um, <laughs> I did say it anyway. Um, uh, you can correct me later, but um, uh, you guys were fighting a couple of those down in this trash heap, but there were all these like kobolds that were just like watching it. Like it was like an arena fight and just throwing garbage at you guys. They weren't attacking you, but it was just like an extra kind of environmental thing. And uh, so I don't know. I have a, I have a love for kobolds, even if they're not like actually supposed to be in a fight with people, <laughs> they always make an appearance. So um, I don't know if I was actually in that, but that was the first one. I think you ran without me and Chris. Okay. Okay. Maybe you guys and, uh, Cause I, so, that yeah. does not sound familiar yeah. at all, but yeah. I think yeah. Uh, we started off the dormant mine started off with kobolds. You guys kobolds were running across a field filled with, with bear traps. Yeah. Uh, yep. And yep. there was a bunch of kobolds there and they <laughs> had a bunch again. of healing potions you uh -huh. steal from them that were yep. so weak because they had peed in them. Uh, and so they were not full strength. Yep. <laughs> you guys were drinking those. these like horrible uh, healing potions that had yeah. cobalt pee in them for like My, my favorite levels. part of that was <laughs> not only were they weak, but every time I took one of those i rolled like a one on the die yeah. so it was like not even just like part of the story but actually metagame the dice that i'm rolling are like no this is this is not worthwhile so i made that sure that happened <laughs> i controlled your dice in that situation so, short answer kobolds <laughs> kobolds and orcs yeah that's what we like all right um, what's our next one so uh the second question how early do you come up with a big bad in their scheme 
before session one, within the first few sessions, when the party reaches a world saving power level, question mark. So when when are we coming up with that kind of person in that, the BBEG? I think a lot of this depends on who you are and how you've run games. I will say this, I know that between Adam and I, Adam is much more likely to be like, Hey, you know, we have, you know, a couple of weeks, you want to rest, something like that. I'll run a one shot. And then those one shots typically end up turning into something that is more of a campaign. So I can't imagine that he's coming up with the big bad in that first thing that he thinks is going to be a one shot. Now I'll say we're different because like, I almost never do that. I almost never say, Oh, I'll run a one shot. I'm always yeah. like, I'm going to think for three months in a solitude <laughs> state of contemplation, like a monk and come up with this epic campaign. And then I will unleash it on the world and run it for seven years and yeah, that yeah. kind of thing yeah, yeah. typically happens okay seven years might be an exaggeration but not much uh, and i typically when i'm doing mine so i'll just talk about mine i let adam talk about his but when i'm doing mine i will typically like i said start with a bunch of pictures and places and start to get an idea of a world and like uh, i'll start to get a feel for it all at once but as i'm doing that i'm also thinking like what is the big end guy and i'll come up with a motivation for him he has something he's trying to do um, but i hold it loosely i don't ever make it like they're going to get to this place and this is what that last battle is going to look like because i know myself and that is i love to veer with the changes i love to flow with my characters uh, as they go and you know what might have started off i'm trying to uh, I don't want to give stuff away with dormant mind because that one's not finished, but uh, <laughs> I can tell you already that like how I had kind of envisioned the end uh, at the beginning was one way and it's changed, but the same, like his scheme is still his scheme. Uh, his, I, his, his major motivation is still his major motivation, but the way that's going to play out and the way that looks has completely changed two or three times, but yeah. I come up with it at the very beginning. I lay out, I know, I know when they get to the end, they're going to be facing this right. in some way, but I allow that to change. And I know that sounds really vague because I don't want to give any of that away. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the hard thing here. But uh, uh, like, okay, so let's go back to the Oracle of order. One I did before I knew that they were going to end up in an insane mind at the end of this game. Uh, that the emperor had gone insane and the only way to change things was to go into his mind and fight inside this this realm that didn't obey the normal rules of magic and the normal rules of physics and all of that i knew that was going to be the end and i even knew that there was going to be a drop of uh blood that was a combination of a blue and a gold dragon <laughs> the blold yeah, uh, yeah that was going to be instrumental in that uh but there was so much along the way that went into that last battle. And as a matter of fact, the big bad guy at the end kind of ended up being his right-hand man who I knew would be there. It was Stondalus, the wizard. Mm -hmm. right. um, he was actually, uh, the emperor had gone completely catatonic and insane, uh, which he was going to be the, the, the kind of the bad guy that you had to get in his mind. Ended up, he was catatonic and insane, and it was Stondalus that was there. But it was the same basic idea that I had at the beginning. So I came up with it at the, at the beginning, and it morphed over time. But now, Adam, you, who sometimes starts a one-shot that turns into a campaign, or sometimes starts a campaign that was from the beginning, how do you go about all this? Yeah, I um, uh, I want to before I answer that, I'm gonna I'm gonna mix podcasts for you, Matthew. Um, okay. 
I'm thinking about when you do your planning, the Aaron Rodgers darkness retreat. <laughs> <laughs> that's go that's what it could the, be like. Go check out the football pandemic if you're into football. <laughs> that's and, right. Uh, I, I also um, run another podcast called the football pandemic yeah. where we talk about football every week. Yeah. If you can imagine a guy who's really in the gaming and in the football, I know those don't yeah. always go together, but they do here. <laughs> and we did talk about this guy named Aaron Rodgers and his darkness retreat. Yeah, so you have your, you have your game planning darkness retreat where I do. you shut off everything and think. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Uh, so when I was making, um, I think it was the, both the Oracle of Order and the Dormant Mind. Both of those campaigns, my my wife's family, the the, in, the, the all of the, her 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 mom and dad and her sisters and their husbands, so the whole extended family, they like to go on these vacations where we go to a cabin for like a week and we do lots of stuff. Both of those birthed in those vacations um, where you know, there was interspersed times of being with family, but there was also lots of out walking in nature times and sitting in cabins, pondering. And I was like coming up with ideas. So those are my darkness retreats. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying being with my in-laws <laughs> is a darkness. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. Everything's quieter and more. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, is it though? Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I think you kind of hit on it. Um, like part of it is that, so the Jade masks came from like, Hey, we're going to run like two, two of these sessions and then kind of be done. And then it was like, Oh no, this is going to get bigger, but that works for me because I definitely do function in the, um, you know, I've talked about this, but it's like peeling back the story kind of thing. And I do think, again, we, I talked about this bunch, Matthew's talked about it, but like the way that my first experience with a game with Danny was, was like, okay, there's, you know, this dude Terrence in the city who seems to be like kind of running things and then, but then like, no, not actually he's working for somebody <laughs> who's working for somebody, you know, kind of thing as, as the time went on. And I, I think that that, um, sometimes plays out for me in that way. Um, I have to think in our current campaign that you did not start with a big bad guy and you may not have him yet. Yeah. And we're like lots of sessions in because right. I know that the ley lines that now have become the central focus of this game yeah. were not even part of it when you right. started. It was only off of a prank, very player yeah. led. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did they even become a thing? Were they even mentioned? And then they right. became a thing. And then we all got interested and it's kind of been building. Yeah. I don't even know if you right now have the, the mm -hmm. final guy in mind. Maybe you do. Yeah, uh, I've been, and this is again, it's like, how much do you reveal in these moments with when you have oh, players? Um, but uh, <laughs> I will say that there have been multiple um, crossroads that I've just decided to lay out. I, in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. it's not that the game has gotten away from me, but like the, I'm discovering, a lot of ways I'm discovering what's going on in this game particularly. Um, and a big portion of that is yeah like okay this thing is a thing that wasn't even part of my plan to begin with but now that's kind of a cool aspect how can that connect in um there was a point where i remember i laid out kind of three rumor type or missions kind of deal um in a city um in tifa's edge for you know matthew you like know where you're at there on the map but um and was like kind of thinking like where, where are they gonna what are they gonna do what are they gonna choose to do and if they do multiples like what what's gonna seem more interesting 
you know, kind of thing. And um, the ley line thing was like, it's like, okay, there's some of these lines that are failing, that needs to be fixed, was the thing you all grabbed onto. Um, and that wasn't necessarily my like, I want to, I want to push them towards that. But, you know, and maybe I did in a, in an unconscious way, but like that, that was more of like, okay, are they going to go with that? Or do they want to deal with this thing or this thing? And those other two things kind of like either got half dealt with or just kind of didn't really, nobody really paid attention to. And I was like, well, I guess that's fine to let that fall. That's uh, a big thing for me. I think previous games, maybe I would have wanted you guys to do everything. It's like, well, I laid this out, so I need them to complete all of the things because that's how I like play like video games or other things. I'm a completionist. <laughs> Completist. um, yes. <laughs> so it's like, but like to be able to say, okay, like they don't seem super interested or just like the focus has went here. So let's let that stuff just kind of, it's still going on. It's still part of the world, but it's going to wither away now let's follow this line of things. So I definitely am peeling it back as it goes right now. Particularly, I think, uh, I think that's too, that's, that's a unique thing to think about too. All you GMs out there as you're beginning and you're kind of getting into this, think about your style. Uh, because I think we just hit the two, the two kind of polar opposites. Uh, Adam is a peel the onion back and find the underlying what's next, what's next, what's next. Uh, and he's kind of letting it being guided. Uh, Whereas most of the time I start with a, if you're going to have prophecy <laughs> as part of your yeah. end, then it's going to look different because you can't lay out a bunch of lines of prophecy and then never tie them up. Um, right. So uh, when you are the kind of person who starts with the end in mind or the kind of person who begins with an onion and starts peeling it back to find the end, uh, yeah. that's going to kind of change when your big bad and the scheme and all of that comes into focus. Yeah. Yeah. And both One, ways are fine. Both yeah, ways are good. Fine. Yeah. One thing to tag on to that, I do, there is a point where in my style, I do need to know because yeah. uh, that's, a th I, you know, I, I uh, regret a thing I would do differently in like the very first campaign I ever did. Several things about the end I regret and not in a like, oh man, like everybody hated each other by the end, but it was like, I just wish it could have been wrapped better and like more, it, it felt like a letdown to me and I'm sure it did to everybody else too. But like, uh, no. one of the things was, the there very, was a great moment. You know, we, there we, was a great we totally, <laughs> we totally killed one of our own with a ball of sphere of annihilation and everything also, was awesome. <laughs> also things as a GM that I wish I would have handled differently, you know? So, um, <laughs> even though it's like a memory, but, uh, and it's kind of a funny one, but the, I feel like the, the big bad at the end in that that one particularly it's like you all had like uh, uh history with these other people and they had been a thing the whole time and then we get to the end and it's like oh yeah and there's this dude that's pulling the strings i don't even know if you remember the this like big wizard at the end who it's like yeah he's just a wizard who can be nope. super powerful and i didn't even <laughs> run very well at the end so it was like no threat um and there was no like uh real like connection no real to why reason the only yeah. reason we're fighting this guy is because he was said to be in charge of these other people and this is going to end it but there had been no like seasoning of like oh here's like clues about him or anything so um that's like a thing i always look back at i'm like i wish that would have been different so there definitely is a point where it's like okay 
start moving towards that. Don't just like toss a if really you're powerful the, at the end. If you're the type of person who can't buy a gift for someone like in July or uh, say September and then keep it from them until Christmas, <laughs> you end up giving it to them early. This is the kind of thing you have to practice. You know who your bad guy's going to be and you want to start dropping little clues. It's so much more satisfying to get to Christmas and have that reveal. Yeah. <laughs> and I know it's easy. Like, I'm so excited about this guy right now. I'm just going to put him out there right now. Yeah. Learn to wait. Learn yep. to wait. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. All right. Let's hit another one. Um, yeah. Uh, so Evan is asking with his third question when it comes to running a big bad still talking about this uh kind of person when it comes to running a big bad or their lieutenants how morally complicated do you prefer to run them that's a good question yeah it i think that's gonna depend well here's the thing i have typically when you get to the big bad he's bad he's evil he's dark you know you want to kill him And that that can be very satisfying for PCs because there's no question. And most of my big bads have fallen to that category, even if I kind of make everybody else along the way. What happens is when I make them morally complicated, my players always tend to see the good in them. And then somehow there's redemption that happens along the way. Uh, I think it might be neat to come up with your big bad and mix in some moral uh, gray, you know, because like the world is not like, someone who is all bad and someone who is all good very often. Maybe you can say that was like Adolf Hitler, you know, all the all bad, you know. Uh, but I, I haven't had a lot of these where it's like the moral complication at the at the end. And what do our players do with that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I typically want them not to be dealing with a moral question by that point. You know, like I, I'm, I, I think for like trying to think if, so if they have to have that conversation with themselves of like, is this person actually bad? I don't know if that loses something in that like victory, you know, moment at the end. Like I kind of, I think that's why I typically am like, no, they're evil. Could we have redeemed them? Yeah. Just didn't. Yeah. Well, I guess just go ahead and end them. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to think of, I think typically that's my, that's my go-to is, yeah, by the time we're at this end, maybe there was some stuff earlier that like, there were some questions about their motivations, but if we're coming to a head of like, this is now the end that we're, we're finally meeting this person head on, like, I'm kind of ready for them to just be like, yeah, we're going to throw down because this person is about to destroy the world, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. So, so now, but Evan, you've given me some like, yeah, yeah, you've given me some thought because now my characters may start finding themselves seeing the good parts of some right. of the people who are the worst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's, I am, I'm playing with that a little bit. Um, of course, I don't know who the big bad is, <laughs> uh, you know, like for, for sure, like who it is. It kind of depends on, again, the like, where do where is the interest? But um, there's... I've already actually been doing this a little bit. I just remembered yeah. Yeah. in my little I, what if pages. I feel like we're, we're both like in our brains now, like trying to think through this and not not actually talking. Here's about the problem. Things. We're both <laughs> currently running the campaigns we're thinking about. So neither one of us can really say much. It's like, yeah. let's have a podcast where we don't say anything yeah. to people's questions. <laughs> let's get really vague. But um, I do I do like to have some 
some moral, uh, what was actually the word there? Um, complication. So like complication. To work that of, yeah. you know, of, of having people who it's like, yeah, they're doing, these people are doing bad things, but for reasons that are kind of driving them. Um, the thing I'm thinking of right now, which has been stated, so I'm not really saying anything that is like a huge bomb for anybody, but it's like, um, there are drow that are doing bad things, but they keep saying what has been said so far is we're doing these bad things to like protect our homeland because our homeland's going to be overrun if we don't kind of thing. So why would we not do this when we can protect ourselves? And so again, still evil things happening that we need to be stopped, but there is some complication. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm thinking about that too. Now it's like, we're, where could this go? You know, if we went that way. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. Let's hit one more. All right. Um, question four, uh, by appearance or abilities, what's one of the strangest monsters you've used against a party? This is an interesting one. Um, I think recently it's in my mind still, but there, there were these kind of like abomination creatures that were, like these twisted people had mystically had been been twisted in, in the city when the group had come back. And I think just like appearance, there was just like one, it was like 12 feet tall, had like a mushroom head, <laughs> like fungus kind of thing. <laughs> and it, it would shriek at people and cause like fear and like sonic damage. It was like a very, just like odd, I had found a picture online, you know, and that was one where the picture drove, like what the creature did. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I remember for me, at least that was like interesting. I don't know if that like stuck with everybody, but it was very strange to kind of like deal with of like, what do we actually do with this thing? You know, kind of, cause it, it didn't have like really uh physical kind of hostility, but it was just this like weird sonic kind of psychic thing going on. So that was a weird one for me. I don't know that I have an answer. I mean, I know that there's probably something I'd have to go back and think about all of my campaigns. The The thing that came to mind was when I just decided to take this person and for a time, <laughs> make it so that they were basically a reflection <laughs> spell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the Vorpal sword, right? The he yeah. came in and uh, Adam like said, I throw my sword at him and he threw his sword and rolled a 20. But this guy in my mind already in my papers, uh, anything that happened yeah, to yeah. him would be reflected yeah. back onto the person <laughs> who did it. And so he rolled a 20 with a verbal sword, yep. cut this guy's head off. And all of a sudden Adam's head just pops yep. off and goes rolling across the floor. <laughs> Not Adam, his character. <laughs> uh, and yeah. uh we had to deal with that. And that was, that was fun. That wasn't like a single spell that I saw anywhere. It's just, I decided this is the concept when they step into this room, there's going to be a complete reflection of whatever happens. And so that was kind of strange, but uh, I feel like that's not a very satisfying answer. I feel like there's probably something more. I'll think about this one and maybe come back to it in a later podcast. Be like, Hey, I thought of a crazy one. This is for Evan's question. Yeah. Like I, want, I wanted to answer ago answer for you but maybe it's it's not necessarily in your mind but the weirdest one thing i remember right now that you've run is the eye king that was like the big mass of stuff that wanted i don't even know how to explain it but that was in the swamp because there was a fight that took place with this thing that was kind of like i don't know not not very mo it wasn't mobile at all it was kind of this thing that was just like 
uh, attached <laughs> to all this stuff. And I, I feel like I'm not saying anything actually here, but the, uh, um, that was an interesting one for me to like, all right, how do we deal with this, getting this item out of this thing when it's like sentient, but also a big glob of stuff. And you know, that, that was really, yeah, weird. that's right. I forgot about him. Yeah. Or what about the, the girl that had the power of unmaking? Yeah. And making you guys were like, cool. so yeah. had yeah. to be afraid of her or yeah. the dude who was just a thumb. <laughs> <laughs> just a big <laughs> thumb <laughs> uh, yeah i guess there's been some odd ones yeah, i have to yeah, yeah. yeah. Have to go back and look at them all yeah, yeah. let's do our one last question right, we'll be done for today one. um so any advice on how to run a seemingly friendly npc turning traitor i'd like to provide some clues and npc is up to no good without being super obvious why don't you start with this one yeah, uh, the thing that came to mind when I read that was uh, giving a tell or like a tick kind of thing. Um, I think about like a tell, like playing poker, you know, the guy always like takes his hat off and puts it back on when he's got a good hand. You kind of no start noticing, oh, like, and like, I was thinking about that with, with this of some sort of nervous, maybe tick that would start happening with this NPC. Um Maybe they're super sweaty all the time. Maybe maybe they always pull on their earlobe when they're talking to you because there's like some sort of lie in there kind of thing, even though they're just talking. Uh, I think the mannerisms kind of thing to me, if you overdo it, it's, it's going to lead people pretty quickly. But um, that I think could be a, a thing of just like explaining some like weird ticks that this NPC has suddenly, you know, if it's like somebody who's been friendly to you and then now we know as a GM internally, this, this person's like turning on them, but they're really nervous to be around the group. Then that's going to kind of show in some ways. So that's something I would maybe start, start thinking about. Um, yeah. And you could even do like what the, uh, authors, uh, will typically do. And that is you, you think of what the, the picture of innocence and good is, and then the picture of evil. And you probably get a picture of like, a. I don't want to say blonde, long hair. We don't want to say blonde is good, but <laughs> you get this like uh, open, open face, very uh, kind of simple clothing. You know, you think of someone bad, they're wearing dark and they're maybe like a, a scowl, uh, their hair is pulled back in a more severe thing and just kind of slowly changing some of these appearance things as they yeah, go yeah, through yeah. the story. Yeah. And it's totally superficial, but in people's minds, there's like some sort of transformation that starts to happen. If you're looking for like clues that are not obvious, but like definitely speak to something at an underlying level, just in your mind, think, okay, if this person is like evil and just betrayed them, what am I picturing? And then this person is like totally innocent and like uh, good and simple. What am I picturing? And then just like slowly make those changes, not all at once. Um, just one time when you see them, they now have their hair pulled back and it seems maybe at first like, okay. And then it's like a little more severe. And then like, uh, their, the clothes is like, they came in wearing a darker shade of green than usual. And then like pretty soon that turns yeah. to black, <laughs> you know, and, yeah, right. and like, uh, as this journey happens, just their outward appearance kind of changes and then they see, boom, you know, this happens. Sure. I, on the other hand, I like to like totally catch them off guard. They totally feel betrayed by this. Yeah, but yeah. no, I do think that though that appearance thing is so subtle that mm -hmm. it, it does bring people's mind along and all along they're like, oh my goodness, how could we have not seen yeah, this coming? Yeah, you know, yeah. it's cool to have that build for sure. But but like those uh like little mannerisms, you know, maybe they 
every once in a while they spit now, you know, (laughs) little things like that, that happen as they uh, get further and further down that road of traitorism. Mm -hmm. For sure. All right. Well, Hey, uh, I think uh, that probably is good for today. Do send in your questions again, all of the rise of the GM places. So go to Instagram, rise of the GM, go to uh, X it's rise of the GM. Go to, if you want to send us a question in the haversack, it's rise of the GM at gmail.com. And do go to our website. Don't forget Adam has posted a, uh, an encounter. Uh, kind of module there that you can take and run. It's free to download. That's rise uh, rise of the GM at no wait www.riseofthegm.com. You can go there and and find that. So uh, we're thankful that you could join us today, and we hope that that module is good for you. We hope that you do check out our socials and do come back to join us next week. Anything, Adam, before we go yeah. that you want to say? Uh, looking forward to next week having guest uh, a guest come on, Sam Grant, talking about the Sentinels Comics RPG. Sentinels Comics RPG next week. If you don't know anything about Sentinels, be sure to join us and uh, check out uh, what that's about and who Sam is because you'll enjoy that. So again, we're glad you could join us today and uh, we'll catch you all next time on Rise of the GM. See y'all.